The 385th edition of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circus Survivor and Circa Millions contest. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details at circusports.com. Hello, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 385. It's going to be dedicated to a bunch of people. Tom Aspinall, Nathaniel Wood, Daniel Marcos, Mahmoud Muradov, and Bruno Brazil. The only people who came through for me last night. So, yeah, it was it was a night of carnage at uh, UFC London for the these these here picks of ours. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Chalks Fox. All my chalk? picks not all my chalk picks but my only picks that came through were chalk picks so yes we have to talk about ufc london uh i'm not gonna do it alone i really don't want to do this episode so hopefully it'll be a quick one uh, this man did slightly better than me by one fight so he's got nothing to brag about either but he tends to find the the uh the silver lining and everything so he's, he's gonna be hard pressed uh last, about last night's action but let's see what you can do anyhow it's the one and only daniel gumby Vreeland. hello well, I'm going to say, uh, here, here's my silver lining on this one. Uh, so it was the Joel Alvarez fight, right, that we differed on? Yes. Okay, so so that's a little bit of a silver lining. The other silver <laughs> lining is, it should have been worse. Um, Daniel yeah, Marcos, we, we, we Daniel got at Marcos least one gift. Yeah, Daniel Marcos didn't even <laughs> win. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it could have it been worse. Um, also, uh, you didn't ask me who I wanted to dedicate this to, so you already no, apparently Next episode, had next we got another no, no, because I have to. One. I have to read. I have to give this one up for uh, a guy in our Discord because it was a pick on this card. Uh, shout out! Shout out to Nad. Uh, yes. N-A-D, shout yes. out to Nad. Plus seven hundred. He picked not only Stoliarenko, not only to win against Molly McCann, not only to win by submission against Molly McCann, but to win by submission using an armbar. Which, by the way, I don't know what books are offering that, but. Kudos yeah, exactly. to one. Um, but he found it at specifically an armbar victory for Julia Stolderanko at plus 700 uh, and cashed that ticket. So, you know, while it was largely a rough day in both the Discord and for this podcast, um, you know, it's nice to see a little bit of shining light in there. And for the most part, the fights were pretty crap, too. Now, there, was, there was a few exceptions, but. There were Overall, some, I was like, there were some decisions, very, decisions, decisions. There were some very bad ones. <laughs> there sure was. There was some low-level action last night, but this will not be a low-level uh, podcast. We always try to bring it to you full force. That doesn't sound right, but we're going to bring <laughs> it to you full force anyhow after I tell you about Circa Sports, because Circa Millions and Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prices are up for grabs. Circa Millions... Here's what you do for that one. Five NFL picks against the spread each week. And Circuit Survivor is just like uh, a typical Survivor contest if you played in one before. You pick a different Moneyline winner each week. Uh, you enter in Vegas and you can play from anywhere you like. Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there. They are being in Vegas the last weekend in August. CircaSports.com for all the details. C-I-R-C-A-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. Well, uh, we won't be entering the contest. In, I mean, we won't be playing it from our private island after last that's for sure um maybe if we win the 14 million we can get a private island um first week gumby says cowboys that's how we're gonna get the ball rolling in this contest so all right hopefully he's better uh hopefully the cowboys don't screw him over like uh, most of his and my picks did last night we of course we're talking about ufc fight nate aspinall versus tybura aka ufc london they're in the o2 arena 
and they, I don't know if it's a sellout, but 15,078 people are a lot of people and two and a half million was the gate. I believe that is American moolah main event. We got right. Hooray. Both of us. Tom Aspinall didn't take long to TKO elbows and punches. Marcin Tibera, 113 in the first round. Did we really learn anything here? I don't know. It's it's hard to learn things from heavyweight fights, especially ones that, that last a minute. But we knew that Aspinall was quick and athletic and could hit hard. And he, all that was on display last night. I guess it's just another scalp to put on his mantle. I'm going to say I learned two things. Number one, okay. the knee, the, the surgically repaired knee is okay. That, that's a big piece yep. for me. Um, and then number two, I, uh, I I think his defensive movement was perhaps the most impressive part of that performance. Um, because not that Marcin Tibera is this like wildly gifted striker, but Marcin Tibera was not within six inches of him on any of those punches. Um, right. It looked like he was swatting flies. And, and like, again, not that Marcin Tibera is this like perfect striker, but he's never looked like, like he has never looked that bad. Um, and that tells you something about Tom Aspinall's defense. Very good point. There you go. Gumby came through. So um, Aspinall called out John Jones after it's, this is another one of those divisions kind of like um, how lightweight kind of is like this too, where um, there's, there's like two different uh, classes in the division. There, there's the, the class that's competing for the, for the title, John Jones, DP Miocic, whoever else, whatever other old person they drag out. And then there's actual, the, the real um, weight class that actually is uh, competing regularly and beating good people and stuff like that. But Aspinall still shot his shot and called out John Jones. It's, I don't think that fight's ever going to happen. Well, well he, said, um, he said he was expecting a fight in between, though. Uh, okay. in, in fairness to him, he did say that he was looking, he's going to sit front row at UFC Paris, uh, watch Sergei Spivak fight uh, Surreal Gain, and he'll take the winner of that in a number one contender fight. Um, All right, cool. So, so he did, he did, you know, recognize that like, Hey, Jones ain't going to fight me right now. Um, but I, I think he did the right thing to line up for that. I, I also think, you know, we, we've been talking about Pavlovich who seemingly kind of just disappeared, right? Like what happened to that dude? Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind him fighting Pavlovich either. Like that, that would be a good number one contender fight. I think he made the smart, smarter call out because he wrecks surreal gain in my opinion, right? Surreal gain, no takedown defense. Tom yeah. Aspinall, low key, good takedowns. Um, I mean, he would kill Spivak, but I don't think anybody's expecting Spivak to get by gain. Um, but he'd kill either of those guys. You know, Pavlovich might be a little bit tougher for him, but, you know, like, nobody's even talking about that guy. Like, where'd he go? That that should actually probably be for the for the title. Because, um, who knows, John Jones, will, if if the Jones-Miocic fight happens, then Jones might be like, uh, I'm out of here, I'm retired, and stuff like that. Just make Pavlovich and Aspinall for the belt. I, I don't want would, him it would be to fight such each a... other for, for nothing. It would be such a shame if John Jones retired before Aspinall got there. Because, like, yeah. not that not that I, I need John Jones to, like, lose and drop the belt. Like, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I do want to know this, like, theoretical situation. Do any of these, like, young, hyper-athletic heavyweights that we're seeing, you know, the Aspinalls and the Jelton Almeidas and, you know, could have been Francis Ngannou. Like, can any of them hang with John Jones? Because, like... John Jones surreal gain worked out because gain has no wrestling defense. John Jones versus Stipe is going to work out because Stipe is 72 years old. It hasn't fought in 59 years. Right. And hasn't fought in 59 years. So like, I, I want to know what he looks like against somebody who moves like Tom Aspinall. 
Um, somebody who moves like Sergei Pavlovich, somebody who moves like, you know, all those other names I mentioned. And, and it would be a real shame if we don't get to see it. Because if if John Jones just beats Surreal Gain and, and Stipe and heads off into the sunset, call me. That That's a really underwhelming heavyweight run for him. Yeah, we want to see it, but does John Jones want to see it? Is the thing. I, I I don't want you to to pretend to be inside John Jones's head because that would be that would be scary. But still, I I I don't know. I, I don't see him at this point in his career willing to take chances like that. No, I I don't either. You know, like he he keeps talking about legacy fights, and for me, his legacy would be like, oh my god, think about the tears of people he beat, right? Because when he came up, he took care of you know, the Shoguns and the Lola Machitas yep. and the Rampages and the Rashad Evanses who were like the cream of the crop Vitor. of light heavyweight. You know, Vitor, exactly, Vitor. And then he beat a whole new tier of guys, right? The Ryan Baders and the Glover Teixeiras and like the Alexander Gustafsons and the DCs. Say that it. was like, yeah, that was like no, a- say the last name. Am I missing one? No, you said DC, but what's his real name? Oh, Cormier. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, Go ahead. And- uh you know, and then he beat a, you know, if he came out here and beat a third tier of people and they were all these like, you know, new breed heavyweights, God, like there would be no question that he had a better career than somebody like GSP. But like the trend of just beating these two heavyweights saying he won two titles. I mean, like to me, it detracts from his overall, his overall uh, prestige. But, um, you know, that's probably not how history will remember him. No, John Jones doesn't care what we think either, I'm sure. Nope. So. We would like to see it though. Maybe Stipe can uh, not fight in November and Aspinall can step in instead. How much better would that be? Infinitely better. Infinitely better. Um, women's flyweight fraud alert. Everyone's saying about Molly McCann. I, I don't know if she ever really profiled as as a top prospect to begin with, but she got submitted armbar. She got her arm taken off by Julia Stolarenko, one fifty five into the first round. We did not get this right. However, we did have caveats that um, as long as McCann could keep the fight standing, she would piece apart Sully Renko and probably finish her. She did not keep the fight standing, and she got her arm ripped off. Yeah, um, it, it's crazy because, like, that takedown didn't seem that good. You know what I mean? Like, she, no. And granted, you know, like, again, my McCann, uh, probably not as good as I even gave her credit for um, shout out yeah. to a guy on, on Twitter, by the way, who called us on our bullshit. Um, Billy, <laughs> Ver, Billy Vervillos, I believe it is. Uh, sorry if I said your name wrong, Billy. Uh, but he, he said even before the fight started, he goes, I think you're underestimating uh, how much harder it was for Stolyarenko to take down Chelsea Chandler because Chelsea Chandler's big. Um, and maybe that is it about Stolyarenko. We were knocking her weight class move, especially because uh, it didn't look like she could ever make 125 pounds. She looked like she slimmed down right. Am I wrong? Like she, yep. she looked like a 125 pounder. She didn't. Yeah, she looked good. Yeah. And uh, may, maybe the big problem for her has always been that the women she's fighting are just so much bigger than her. So, um, you know, props to to Billy there uh, for calling us on her stuff. I, I even gave him a little shout out back as a, a thank you for uh, doing it. So in like a respectful sort of way. Um, and like, uh, yeah, like maybe we. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. Molly McCann is still always what Molly McCann has been, which is somebody who's a pretty decent puncher. If you give her somebody who's going to punch with her. Um, yep. But maybe also just a little bit more shine on Stolyarenko's name. Maybe she doesn't suck now that she's at this weight class. Yep. Gummy's doing social media all wrong. You're supposed to double down on bad takes, Dan. And, <laughs> and, and yell give at him, people and block give, them. You're not supposed to concede. The old, give me old Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 
I don't know. Like I said, I don't, everyone's like, oh, McCann and, and uh, Pimlet are, are frauds. Well, maybe if, if, if you believe all the all the hype and all the um, fanfare that they've gotten. But if you actually watch them fight, you know, it's this is pretty much what we uh, what we've been seeing from them. We just yeah, thought McCann would be able to pass this test. But I guess a one in five UFC fighter. Yeah, they're only frauds if you think if you have a high expectation for them, which I don't yeah, really, exactly. you know, yeah, and, and like, Perfect. you know, Patty Pimblett got by the test of, uh, of Luigi Vendramini. Uh, and I thought this yep. might be Molly McCann's Luigi Vendramini. <laughs> and there you go. It, well, there's a good title, Dan, a long one, but a good one. Um, we got this one, right. Woohoo. Nathaniel Wood came through over Andre Feely. There was some touch and go, um, making a joke on Feely's nickname, touchy, but there was some touch and go moments in this fight. But uh, Wood came through 29-28 across the board. Um, it's still, obviously, Philly is Philly is a long um, featherweight, but it's still, you know, little, the concerns about uh, Wood and his his uh, lack of size at, at uh, featherweight kind of kind of played out a bit here. Um, he, he did get through it, and, and like I said, did get the job done. But uh, going forward, maybe something's going to keep him from the tippy top of, of the division. But regardless, another uh hurdle cleared at featherweight he's now three and oh you know what the, I, I, so i was thinking the same thing like do we have to start worrying about his length being an issue but the good news for him is that like a lot of guys in this division are not particularly like rangy long guys like if you look at the top 15 you know you got like dan Ige in there bryce mitchell sadiq yusuf mozart evloev none of those are long guys and even if you right. want to go higher in the division, Korean Zombie, Josh Emmett, uh, Tapuria, like th- those aren't long guys either. And, and yeah, like he could run into a Max Holloway or a Yair Rodriguez or a, I mean, even Giga Chikadze would probably give him problems with that length or Edson Barboza. But uh, there's a lot of guys in this division who are like, I don't know, mostly built like he is, uh, although he is, you know, exceptionally short for the division. But like, I, I don't know that it's going to cause him that many troubles. Um you know, uh, Andre Feely's real long. Yeah, after, after you mentioned those fighters, especially the, the first list, then yeah, he basically physically matches up with with all those people. So, um, and it's it's been a steady. Uh, they, they've done very well uh, progressing him up this division. Charles Rosa, slight step up, or maybe more than a slight, but a, a nice step up to Charles Jordan, and then a slight step up to Andre Feely. So it's been a nice progression. He's he's passed every test. Who do you want to see him fight next? Next, you know, I mean, you have I mentioned. In mind? I mentioned Dan Ige. Uh, you know, sure. Dan Ige, uh, we were just talking about size. Dan Ige's got a two-inch reach advantage and a one-inch height advantage. You know, like, that's Perfect. that's barely anything. Um, yeah. And, and he's a tough out. Um, he just beat Nate Landward to get back in the win column. Yeah, I think Nathaniel would be a nice match for him. Good. All right. So we had, uh, I forgot to tell you the numbers here. We had Asimov minus 450. We whiffed on McCann. So Stolarenko came through at, she was pretty big, plus one, plus 200. Plus 200. So uh, I got to do, uh, um, I'll break it down another episode, but more plus 200 seem to be coming through or, or higher seem to be coming through this year than, than when I've tracked it in the past. Um, and then Nathaniel Wood came through at minus 200. Next one we whiffed on. We had Andre Muniz. Did not go the way we hoped. Paul Craig looked very good at middleweight. Came through at plus 190, which we had him there, but we didn't. TKO elbows, 440 into the second round. Um, got the fight to the ground and finished it on Andre Muniz, but yeah, Craig looked uh, looked good physically at middleweight. All right, I'm not going to break this down. I'm going to ask you one question, and you you tell Thank me you. what you think. Uh, good takedowns from Paul Craig, bad takedowns from Andre Muniz, or takedown defense from Andre Muniz. 
which one is it? Yeah, is it a? Uh, was he good at shooting takedowns at middleweight? Did he just find his spot where he needs to be a middleweight and is good at taking people down? Or did did Andre Muniz flop like a dead fish? Yeah, but it's true. Bad takedown defense, which isn't which isn't the rarest quality for for high level grapplers because they don't really care if they get t- get taken down, and they're usually the one doing the taking down. So yeah, it's it's not something that should come as a surprise. But yes. Muniz probably it was more in uh, in in his court, um, not stuff in the takedowns. What do you think about? Um, so so I think I think you're right. I, I think uh, under Yay. Muniz, bad takedown defense is probably the right take here. What do you think about Paul Craig versus uh, Bo Nickel? Yeah, that's what I, I heard floated around, or I guess yeah. I saw that in the Discord, slash discord Probably too big of a step up for. Uh, Bo Nickel at this point, he, he, he probably could, could pass the test, but I, I don't think they're going to put him in. Uh, I think probably one more fight before he gets to the Paul Craig level, but who knows? I, I don't think they'll do it either um, because of how weird Paul Craig is. Like, I, I think <laughs> he is weird. I, I think one of the things they're doing with Bo Nickel is like the tests he's getting are very straightforward. Like right. he knows who he's fighting. Like even with the replacement fight in Val Woodburn, like, that dude just swings. He knew he was in there with a guy who was just going to throw hammers the whole time. You know, when he was fighting, what was it, Jamie Pickett first? You know, like, we, we know what that guy is. He's pretty straightforward. Paul Craig's weird as shit. Uh, and I don't think they're going to give him somebody who presents a weird stylistic matchup. Yep, true. Sad that we got to pick wrong, but uh, happy that Paul Craig gets to live another day. Um, yeah, and, and he probably has more promise at middleweight than Andre Muniz does. So yeah, so that's fun. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, because if Craig lost that, it would have been an issue. You probably would have been one one more loss, and he's out. But now he's probably saved himself for at least a couple more fights. So that's good. Good to see. Um, actually, before we move on, we're talking about a lot of underdogs coming through, not ones that we picked, of course. We're gonna talk about underdog fantasy. We're brought to you by underdog fantasy. Best ball media four is here, and underdog fantasy is giving away fifteen million dollars in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. So many ways to win over our Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Free Siam versus Jai Herbert. Did not get this one right. Um, we had the Underdog Herbert, Siam, minus 150, came through. Via decision 29, 28, 29, 28, 30, 27. Did we learn anything here or shall we just move on? A little bit sharper boxing from Zayane than I thought. He was a little bit quicker. Um, and also just like a weird amount of grappling in a fight that shouldn't have had any grappling. Like there this is, yeah, this is, this was bad game plan on maybe both of their parts. Uh, yeah, a very boring fight. Not much to talk about. We're not really high on other guy. Well, Herbert's like 35 or something at this point. So we're not going to be high on him. High on Zaim or not really? I mean, he got choked out by Terrence McKinney. <laughs> eh. All right. There you go. Terrence <laughs> McKinney catch, catching strays. Let's move on to featherweights. Lerone Murphy stayed undefeated, sadly. Uh, Josh Kulabal uh, did not come through for us. At some moments, you know, the guy can crack, but uh, he got thoroughly taken care of by Lerone Murphy. 30-26, 30-26, We had Kulibal as another underdog. Uh, it did not come through. Yeah, I, I think I overestimated how much better uh, I thought Kulibal would be wrestling. That, that was my yeah. big bad read here. Is that, like, he, I thought he'd be be faster at getting to the legs, and he just wasn't. Um, 
And and maybe he was on Melsic because uh, you know Melsic throws more kicks. Um, but yeah, he, he just a little little touch slow in the wrestling here. Yep. And then uh, Daniel Marcos, Davy Grant got bumped <laughs> up to the main card because the prelims were interminable. Interminable is what the word I'm trying to say. Uh, Daniel Marcos defeated Davy Grant. This was the gift uh, he? that he got. Did he? 28, 29, 29, 28, 29, 28. Basically because Davy Grant got a got a cut on his face. And I think the judges just gave decided to give the fight to uh, Marcos. N- not the worst worst um, decision in the world, but uh, I didn't I thought Grant had, uh, he had way more volume. I guess they thought Marcos had more damage and more power behind the strikes, but we'll take, we'll take any guess we can get, especially last night. We have Marcos at minus 138. Do you want to hear the crazy part? It wasn't even the damage that did it. Cause uh, I, I think everybody agrees that Daniel Marcos won round two. Now, granted he did that. That is the round where he cut him uh, and he yeah. bled, he bled from then on. Uh, and, and so every judge gave Marcos round two. I, I agree. I think he landed the bigger shots in round two. The judges who scored it for Marcos had also given him round one. They didn't give him, they didn't give him round three, which I thought was the clearest for Grant. Uh, I thought three was for Grant too. Um, but just like, I didn't think there was enough volume for Marcos in the first. So while a lot of people have blamed it on the, oh yeah, the damage thing, damage yeah. thing, damage thing. Like they gave it to him before the damage really even kicked in. Um, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, I thought it was Grant one and three, which is what uh, Andres Olson said, or Anders Olson said, um, yeah. w- one one and three for Grant, two and for Marcos. But um, yeah, kind of a gift for Marcos, and which is, I mean, I love Davy Grant, but maybe this is a blessing because it like it gave a guy who I th- actually think is a good prospect a chance to move up. Um, although I don't know how much ready he'll be for it unless he really turns up his output because his output was shit. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was going to ask you, do you still think he is a, a decent prospect? We haven't seen what he's fought twice in the UFC now. Yeah, but um, like when, when he throws, he's really good. Um, yeah. and, and when he moves forward, he's really good. I just think he forgot to at large points in time in here. And maybe being in there with somebody like Davey Grant made him a little gun shy. But the other thing is Davey wasn't landing big shots. Um, no. So I don't know why he just didn't push forward more. Um, and get in Davy's face and turn it into a little bit of a firefight. Cause I think he would have thrived there too. So maybe this is, he's going to go back and watch this on film and just be like, man, I just have to let go. Yep. Hopefully you're not allowed to be trigger shy until you're what another 10 years in your career. And, yeah. and you're, uh, been knocked out a billion times. All right. So we went three and four on the main card, but Oh, it's going to get worse in the prelims. Wasn't it just last week? I called myself King of the prelims. I believe I did. I did. Yeah. Stop doing that. It did not last very long. <laughs> Uh, a short reign. Um, all right. The main event of the prelims ended up being Johnny Parsons defeating Daniel Roberts. TKO punches 457 into the second round. We had Roberts. Uh, I, I'm not too upset that uh, Parsons came through because he good story and he is a fun fighter with great hair. Great story. Great story. I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, and I, I really do think uh I really think he could give a lot of people at welterweight trouble just by being an agent of chaos. Like book yep. me. I know I say this with weird guys all the time. Book that dude with the Nico prices and the Max Griffins of the world uh, until the end of time. Uh, this is a guy who who we should see against all those those crazy bastards. Yep. Let's crank it up. It's he's what 30. He's going to be 32 before his next fight, probably. So it's uh, 
it, it took him a little while to get to, into the UFC. So let's let's crank it up now. Uh, give him fun fights. Uh, doesn't he want to fight? Um, he wants to fight Patty Pimlet. Sure, <laughs> give us that for sure. But, but here's the: they're not in the same weight class. I know. What a well, weird ass call out. Pim, I mean, maybe Pimlet very easily could eat eats his way into welterweight stuff. So. Although he look he looks slim, uh, sitting cage side. Um, and he, also he said like, he's changed his ways. And I, also, I'll just say this in general: like, it looks like Parsons could make fifty five on a good nutritional plan. Yeah, that's true. Or like he's care. he's not ripped. He's kind of no. weird shaped. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we have some have some weird shaped fighters coming up as well. Yeah, we do. Um, lightweights, Joel Alvarez, weird for lightweight because he's so big. Um, uh, came through submission Bravo choke over Mark D. Casey, four twenty six into the second round. This is the fight that we differed on. Um, I thought D. Casey would be able to um get him with his wrestling, which he did for, for periods of the until fight. He got, but, um, until he got until he got headbutted. <laughs> until he got headbutt. Oh, that's right. This was a fight where, yeah, there's a lot of headbutts last night as well. Um Alvarez headbutted him. DKC stumbled back. Um basically right in the spot where you want to hit someone to knock him out too, right? Like yeah, right behind the ear. Yeah. One of those weird uh, where Brock Lesnar hit Randy Couture. Yep. Told the ref about it. The ref did nothing and then he uh promptly got taken down and submitted by Joel Alvarez. Minus one eighty eight for Gumby. Hooray for you! Very, yeah, you very, really didn't do good. Marcos very, and Alvarez were gifts to you. Very, very yeah, very little to say here because he. No. I, I think he probably would have lost that fight. I know we had some guys in the Discord on a live line on Dia Casey thinking he could do that wrestling again for a couple yeah. of rounds, and uh, he probably could have. Uh, at the very least, this should have been a no contest. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Alvarez? issues going forward probably i mean like it's it's the exact same thing i've said after his last couple of wins like when he beat tiago moises or um you go back and you take his win against joseph duffy like he's just like so willing to be the guy on the bottom Mm -hmm. um and i just can't see that working forever at lightweight no, nope. you know, no matter guys will guys guys will gladly put you on the bottom and grind you out for 15 minutes yeah like what's gonna happen when he runs into matthews gamrot yeah, you know, or or it's all Matt, wrestlers at the top, man. Yeah, or or even like some of the guys outside of the top, like Matthews, Rebecca, too. Speaking of Polish guys named Matthews, any Matthews. Yeah, any any of those Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. So keep just remember that next time we we decide to pick him or not pick him in a fight. Heavyweights, Mick Parkin took care of Jamal Pogues, probably the worst fight of the night. Thirty yes. twenty-seven across the board. Parkin, Throw punches. Throw punches Parkin, is my my game plan there, for Pogues going forward. Yeah, yeah. Park, they're they're playing. Uh, the announcers thought Parkin looked good, which in comparison to Pogues, yes, his body looked good and his the way he fought looked looked good. Uh, plus one thirty five, but yeah, it's um it's very low level heavyweight. Well, this is the I, bottom of the worst division in the UFC. I might pick uh, Mohamed Usman to beat him. Uh, that, well, yeah, that's he's how got I, the power. So yeah, that's definitely. how I feel about Mick Parkin because Mick Parkin did not look impressive uh he's no. got a slower opponent in front of him who is only throwing a jab and barely any of those uh and he coasted to one of the most boring decisions i've ever seen yeah i'm, I'm not yeah. high on parking we're not going to bore you more with that uh middleweights mahmoud murdov versus brian barbaran uh, murdov came through this one was one of the rare fights last night that actually played out exactly the way we expected to play out murdov 30 27 across the board what i know it's easier said than done to, to knock out Brian Barbarana, but I would like to see uh, Murdoff uh, step on the gas more and try to finish the man, but he, he did rock him numerous times. He basically was sniping him from outside. Bigger, better uh, striker, more powerful striker, younger, and pretty much uh, what we expected to happen 
That's why we went and got minus 320 on Murdoff. I respect how he approached the fight, though, because I will say yeah. there were a couple of times in there where Barbarena threw back and I was like, oh, shit, like like it looked like Barbarena might actually be doing damage or put him in trouble. Um, and so, like, he probably felt that power once or twice, because let's face it, Barbarena does throw hard. He felt that yeah. power once or twice. And he's like, let's not do anything stupid here. Um, and, you know, there's something to be said in the grand scheme of all we watched this weekend and the weekends preceding it. For just not doing something stupid. So uh, it's true. Know, props for Muradov on that one. That's true. And they're not, he's not younger. They're the same age. He just seems yeah. way younger than Brian Barberina. But most people seem younger than Brian Barberina. So Barberina is right. not aged well. <laughs> no, it's almost like he gets pounded in the face for a living continuously. Uh, women's Bantamweights, this, this uh, pick did not age well. Uh, Ketlin Vieira, th- this may have been the worst fight of the night, actually. <laughs> this may have been worse than, than heavyweight. It was very close. She ground out a boring grappling victory over Penny Kienzad. Wasn't even grappling. Was take her down and not do much. 29-28 across the board. Uh, Kienzad probably, I don't, they were playing up that her knee still wasn't right and she wasn't fighting from the bottom uh, to get up. uh, Wasn't using her legs at all. Did you see that or was this just how she would have been before the injury? I didn't see any like movement from her that made me go, oh, her knee's still bad. Right. But also she conceded takedowns much easier than she used to. Like And didn't much get up. Didn't really work to get up either. Didn't That's look didn't look like she was ever close to getting up. So there was nothing like if if I didn't know she had a knee injury going in, I wouldn't have like watched that fight and been like, does she have a knee injury? Uh but I yeah. do knowing she has a knee injury and came back from it, it, that fight does make me wonder, like, is it not powerful enough? Is it not stable enough? Because, I mean, it really looked like she couldn't stop anything. Um, And she used to be able to stop enough to punch, right? And that's kind of what we were hoping for here. Yep. (sighs) Didn't come through for us. Uh, The chalk came through, Vera. Uh, Lightweights, Chris Duncan took care of Yanal Ashmu's this, I was going to say, this was our worst take of the night, but end up Ashmoos uh, broke his arm in the first round early in the fight, kept fighting, but uh, his left arm was useless. Apparently, Duncan didn't know or his corner didn't know about that because he did not target it. Uh, yeah, he still won 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. someone watching the, the telecast and texting his corner, telling them what's going on, and he can just spam uh, kicks <laughs> to that side of uh, Ashmoos' body. He could have finished him. Yeah, I, I would say this. I, I don't know that this was a bad take because Ashmoose's whole thing is like set up his power hand. And, and like, you know, if you watch that that knockout against Sam Patterson, right? He throw he throws his jab hand out there and follows it up with a big punch behind it, knocks him out. You can't just throw the backhand, right? Like against anybody who has any kind of decent defense, you got to set it up. So when you take that setup away, like, he's going to look exponentially worse. So, you know, I, I think, I, I think he looked really bad, but there was a reason why he looked really bad. And I'm not sure necessarily that I wouldn't consider him to be Chris Duncan again, given almost the same odds or the same odds. All right. Well, hopefully he's not injured too badly and we can get him back soon and we'll find out. All right. Bruna Brazil came through for us when Mr. Wright. Probably isn't profiling as the prospect we were hoping she would be, but still, she took care of Shauna Bannon as we expected. 29-28, 29-28, 30-27. Bannon really didn't seem to be able to get close to her. Duffy was not landing with the power that Brazil was. Um, pretty much went the way we were hoping it would go. We had Brazil at minus 145. 
And I think I said that that's my problem with Bannon too. If she just doesn't throw anything that's going to deter anybody. Right. right. Her her lone way of keeping distance is that like weird front push kick. And yep. it, it doesn't hurt. You nope. know, it's just to build space. And she was worse at, in space. Uh, you know, and, and definitely she, she just doesn't have anything behind those punches that makes you say, oh, damn, I got to stay away from those. So, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I really still do believe there's some good in Bruna Brazil there. I think the way she hits. I, I think we saw a little bit of her in the clinch that looked good here. Um, and, and there's room to grow. Um, it's not like she's a, you know, 100% a complete fighter by now. She's only had, you know, 13 pro fights. She's not 30 yet. Like, I, I think I think we could see better from her still. Yeah. I don't know about Bannon, though. She really doesn't project to be anything special. Like, athletically, not really anything off the charts there. The power is not there. Like, there's really I, I would say I would say she has a ceiling. And this, I do mean this is like the highest she could go. The best she can do with her athleticism and the style she fights is become Caitlin Shokagian, right? Like okay. she, can, yeah, she, yeah. Her 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 ceiling is Caitlin Shokagian because she's not going to knock anybody out. She's not going to take anybody down, but she might kia loud enough that she's going to steal some decisions on some point fighting, like Caitlin Shokagian does. Um, and like you know that that again is the ceiling. She's only. What is she, six fights into her pro career at this point yeah. or seven fights into her pro career at this point? So, like, obviously room for growth. But I think unless she, like, added some sort of crazy weapons or suddenly could shoot a beast takedown, like, that's kind of what she profiles as being if she gets to the absolute highest she could get to. Yep. The night started off good for the first, what, three minutes or so, and then it turned bad for us. Daniel Breeze looked good against Jafel uh, Filo, was destroying him. Knocking him down with leg kicks, and then he got him. And then, then this bad fight IQ came through and got himself submitted. Arm triangle choke, three twenty-six into the first round. We could have started things off with uh, Breeze as a plus one ten on our dog. Would have been a nice start to the night, but no. Yeah, and in the weird thing too is, I know we were scared of the the grappling of Philo, um, in or Fialu. You're supposed to say Fialu, right? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Fialu in there then. Fialu, um, in a U. Uh, but, but Fialu, right. um, he, he was getting torn up on the feet, which is exactly what we said about Bariz. I yep. wonder if when Bariz hit that body kick, if he shouldn't have finished him on the ground or gone to the ground and tried to finish him. Cause he, he did what we would typically think of as being a smart thing and backing away every single time and trying not to, you know, engage in that grappling. But then, like, he just gave him too many chances to shoot a takedown. So maybe he should have just followed it up and saw what happened. But, um, you know, I, I still think there's plenty in Bariz. The problem is just the age for him. Like, I, I think uh, I think he's already kind of in too advanced of an age to really matter in this weight class. And Fialu is just, like, a, such an incomplete fighter um, that I, yeah. I, I don't really have high hopes for either of these two. Nope, it is true. Um, we had high hopes for our picks, but... It did not pan out. I went five and ten. Gumby went six and nine, sixty-nine. That's the only positive thing that came out of the night. Uh, <laughs> ended with that. Uh, we both lost a buttload of money. Uh, I'm at fifty-eight percent in the year. Gumby's at fifty-four percent. Nothing good there. And we missed on our locks, McCann and Muniz, our dogs, Ashmoos and Buries, and our props, which was Herbert via knockout and Marcos via knockout. Not good, Dan. Not good. Nah, we'll rebound this week though. I got good. And Yes, true. I was on a nice little streak there. I was like, 
I can't remember what it was at, but I was like 67% or something for the last three weeks, but no, that ended. Um, and of course there's a hungry man, super fan probably did not come through or we would have been talking about that right off the, right off the bat. So, um, in the real world, money wise, Johnny Parsons, Danny Roberts, one fight of the night, 50 K to them. Good choice. And before, yep. Good choice for sure. Performance of the night, Tom Aspinall, Paul Craig. So a couple of guys who probably don't need the money, but yeah, they but, got but it anyhow, like, so. but like in all honesty, who else you giving it to maybe Stoli or Ranko? Yeah, hers would have been nice because it was so quick. Yeah. Well, Alvarez yeah. headbutted a guy and Fialu got <laughs> yep. Fialu got beat up, and you already gave yep. a bonus to Johnny Parsons. So, like, ah, it, I mean, like, it kind of had to be Craig and Aspinall. Yep, it is true. All right, we're going to Salt Lake City next, um, which has become a hot spot for the UFC, surprisingly. The Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah, next Saturday night, UFC 291. Poye versus Gaethje 2. But no, it's not just Poye versus Gaethje 2. It's for the Ugh. BMF title, Dan. How how exciting is that? Um, co-main event. Rumor was this was going to get uh, promoted to uh, the light heavyweight championship belt. But maybe they don't want to to overshadow the prestigious BMF belt. But it's Blakovitz versus Pereira. Three rounds, right? And it's not for the belt. Yeah, I, I've heard rumors that there was... Um, some trepidation about turning it into five rounds. And also, I think the UFC was cold on rushing to another title fight. Because let's face it, their rush, rash decisions with the light heavyweight title have continued to backfire. It's um, true. Because they they made Yuri drop the belt for an injury that ah, wound up being kind of long. Uh, then they made a real fight for the, the title fight that was not an interim belt. And that one fucked up in a draw. And then they made a different one with two different fighters in it. And that one got effed up because Jamal Hill wound up being hurt. And like, so like, I, I think they're, you know, hitting the pause button real quick. Cause I think Yuri is going to be back soon. Him versus uh, Magomed Ankalev or the winner of this would make all the sense in the world. Okay. Um, moving on, Walter Waits, Stephen Thompson, Michelle Pereira. Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green at lightweight, and welterweights, Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland. That is the main card. Uh, and then the prelims, we've got Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima at heavyweight. Uh, welterweight, Trevin Giles, Gabriel Bonfim. Middleweights, Roman Kapilov, Claudio Ribeiro. Flyweights, CJ Vergara, Vinicius Salvador. Welterweights, Matthew Semmelsberger, Euros Medic. Women's flyweight Miranda Maverick stepping in to fight Priscilla Catrera. And then we've got a welterweight bout of Jack Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers. Not the greatest card, but not the worst card either. No, there's some fun fights in there. That that whole yep. main card is, you know, like everybody's gonna be pissed that there's not a title fight in there, a real title fight in there. But like you know, if that was a real light heavyweight or a lightweight title fight at the top instead of Poye versus Gaethje, like that that's a fine main card. Yeah, it's got two two fights on the card that actually have meaning at the top of the division. That's pretty much it, though. I don't know. What if Michelle Pereira runs through Stephen Thompson? Like, eh. he, he's suddenly very relevant in that division if he is. That's true. He has won five straight as we speak. So, yeah. Yeah, possibly. and, and that would, that's the first, like, name name he beat, right? Like, because he beat yeah. Nico Price and Ponzinibbio and people like that. But, like, that'd be the first, like, guy he beat. Yep, it's true. We shall watch regardless. We shall make winning picks for it as well. That's Wednesday. The prelims Thursday would be the main card and all our fancy picks. And we're going to do better this week. It's hard 
it'll be very hard not to do better. Um, in the meantime, in the Discord is where we shall be, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Uh, Twitter is SGPNMMA. If you want to tell us about our bad takes, that's the place to go. Uh, or Gumby Vreeland or Jeff Fox Writer, except my takes are immaculate. Um, you can sign up for my newsletter and enter my pick'em contest at moneymma.substack.com. You can listen to more Gumby and know me at Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and you can get all your sports gambling needs fulfilled at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We shall be back tomorrow. Phenomeno Jeff Fox will be there, as will my sidekick, Ahmed Vert, Gumby Vreeland, and we'll talk to you tomorrow for our regional MMA episode. Bye.